we uh, record these audio and uh, if you miss you can also get a video uh, I just want to appreciate Jim Jim taught last week on the nail of jail from uh, judges and so uh, we, we got to listen to that uh, already and that, that was really good that was just a, a fresh look wasn't it and so I, I like that and just some things about dealing with sin um, I'm going to pass one of these out and uh, Pam I this is right out of the book Pam gave me uh, can you guys yeah. Well, was it, I think I've got one already this is oh, this is the Jewish. This is the Jewish oh, Hebrew Bible. Okay. Yeah, I say they don't seem to be in order. The Hebrew Bible. <laughs> yeah. So I thought this might be good. Just. I think they tried to. Yeah. I think they tried to. And I meant to bring this book back to you this morning, Pam. And so I forgot it. It is right. I had it at work for a few days, and uh, and then I, I brought it home Friday, and I left it laying right beside my stuff this morning, but. You'll notice uh, the first five books of the Bible are still the same as ours, and that's uh, what is considered the Pentateuch or the Law. And so you'll see that's the same. <clears throat> but then uh, I just wanted you to see kind of the positioning of Jeremiah there. It, it follows uh, the kings and. Yeah, I guess it's not uh, chronological in that sense, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, this doesn't look like. It doesn't look like the way yours is. It doesn't look like the Hebrew Bible, I'm assuming, because oh, really? The like Chronicles of Kings are always combined. Well, you, I know you told me that, yeah. huh? Yeah, like a recap of all Samuel. There should be thirty. There, there is thirty-nine there. I think. Huh. So this is different than what you. From what I've seen. All right. Well, the the things I checked, I think, uh, are uh, in the King James. But uh, so another thing I wanted you to see was that Second Chronicles is last, and I think that'll be the same as yours. Yeah, that's the one to go up. Yeah, at the very last, it tells the Jews to go up. Anyway, I just thought it was kind of interesting the way this is laid out. And uh, you see, it's got a little posting of the 12. That's the, uh, uh, I think that's the 12 minor prophets there. And there's uh, five major prophets the Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel are there together. And then Daniel and uh, Lamentations is over on the right. So anyway, this is the way the the book that uh, and and it says on the front of it uh, something about the Jewish scriptures according to the Masoretic text, and then what it said. And so anyway, I'll have you look at it, Jim. Whenever I bring it back, maybe next week. 
So that was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm not in a hurry to get it back. Okay. So I, I just kind of snapped a picture and then had it printed and copied. Yeah, that's good. So, anyway, the same, the same books of ours, different order. And the, a friend of mine I had it looked at, he, he noticed that uh, Psalm starts on page 777. He, he thought that was kind of interesting. So... Yeah. All right, well, we are studying the book of uh, Jeremiah, and we're trying to take a chapter a week, and so we'll see if we can get through it this week. And so let's turn our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 5. It's kind of cool for me because I'm reading through the Bible, and I just finished Isaiah, and I'm starting Jeremiah in my normal reading, so I'm kind of reading my daily reading is the same as I'm studying here now, but uh, I know several of us uh, have I think maybe all of us have kids, except for Chuck maybe, but some of us even have grandkids, so I wanted to share just experience we had uh, so we've been gone a couple weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, we were gone for my mother's funeral. And uh, last week, we went to uh, Houston, Texas. My wife's dad turned 90. And so uh, there, there was a night there. We actually celebrated four birthdays at this big, really nice Mexican restaurant. It was... I bet there was 200 people could be seated in there. And we had a group of 30 or 35. So we had a big group. We had three or four tables. And kind of the kids were all at one table, the grandkids. Um, and luckily, you know, in places like that, it, it's loud. And so you don't notice the kids acting up, really, because nobody can hear anybody hardly. And uh, so our grandkids were kind of unruly. And I know it bothered our daughter so our daughter and and uh so all of our grandkids were there but our daughter brought her two daughters so after the restaurant i mean my daughter was distraught because you know the kids were kind of acting up and so we were driving from the restaurant back to huntsville's where we were spending the night about a 30 minute drive and so when we get in i mean sarah's just frustrated with the two kid two girls and uh, so she she lectures them that you know you know if you just keep acting up, you know you're going to get a spanking, and I mean she was just done. <clears throat> so we're driving, and the girls are whispering, and and pretty soon they get to fussing even in the car, even after they've been threatened with their life. <laughs> <laughs> so they weren't going to stop. And so finally, Sarah says, "When we get there, oh. you you are getting a spanking." She said, "She said a hundred percent. It's on." <laughs> and I said, "Well, do you want me to stop here and take care of it for you, Sarah?" Oh. So we did. We pulled over like at a rest area, and I pulled the one girl out, and she got it, and it. It shocked her that we would pull over. It did. And, uh, That's cool. Because Sarah's like, you know, I don't have my... She likes to use a spoon on them or whatever. Yeah. 
and uh, but I, I I whacked her pretty good, and so anyway, I I feel like that is where Israel's at, because because. You know, our grandchildren go to church. They made a profession of faith. And I told them, you know, as Christians, you don't act like this. Really, the the grandkids of other families that were not saved were acting better than our grandkids. And I feel like that's where Israel is at. These are God's children. And uh, I heard a guy say this the other day. He, he feels like Israel became more wicked than the nations around them. And I just thought that was an interesting statement. And so that's where God's at is with Israel is you're going to get it. You're, we're going to pull the car over. <laughs> and uh, you're going into captivity. But, you know, uh, so, yeah, no chastening seems to be uh, joyous at the time. It was grievous. But, you know, it, it did correct her for the time. And uh, and she needed that. And so God... God is is right there at that point with his people, yeah. and so uh, somebody read verse one of chapter five for us, if they will. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof. If ye can find a man, if there be any that executes judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon. Him. So that the, God is telling Jeremiah. You know, run about the streets of Jerusalem and, you know, go into how, see if anybody there is interested in truth. If, is anybody executing judgment? Is anybody seeking truth? If they are, I will pardon it. <clears throat> and, but the, I mean, that, that's pretty wild, isn't it? <clears throat> what if God had some prophet run about America today? Is there anybody seeking truth? Is there anybody executing judgment? And uh, if so, I'll be glad to pardon your nation because I'm a good God. <clears throat> and so the answer is kind of no. Uh, hold your place there and, and look at uh, Ezekiel 22. That That's a verse that I think of when I think of this. Yeah, to the right, a couple... Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and go to 22. I think it's 22:30. This is kind of a famous verse. Ezekiel 22:30 says, "And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me in the for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. <clears throat> so God is God is seeking men. God is seeking women." who will stand in the gap and uh you know just thinking of Jim Boyette passing there's a gap there isn't there there's a gap uh, he was our facility pastor he was a discipleship pastor before that uh <clears throat> and uh he did many things around here and so God is seeking uh, men and women to stand in the gap and uh, he always does have a righteous remnant but uh Anyway, so the, the, I put in your blank there just the word truth. God will pardon Judah if Jeremiah can find one man that seeketh truth. <clears throat> and uh, in verse 2 and 3, it also mentions truth. So go back to Jeremiah 5. 
<clears throat> Angie, can you give me one of those waters over there? <clears throat> Does everybody get a handout? I, I thought I brought you one, Angie. Oh, Angie, I have an extra here. I don't know, maybe. I'm sorry. I thought I brought you one. Sorry. <clears throat> uh, somebody read two and three again, if if they would. Mm-hmm. And though they say the Lord liveth, surely they swear falsely. O Lord, are not mine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and verse 3 said that the Lord's eyes are upon truth so I had you put your the word truth again in that you know we're, we're to gird up our loins with truth and uh, I don't know this to be true but I've heard that uh, I don't know if it's the FBI or whoever examines for counterfeit money they, they spend their time looking at a true you know $20 bill or $100 bill and so they, they study the true in order to f- uh, find the, the, the counterfeit. And I, I took a, uh, I thought this was an interesting quote here. I don't know this guy. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Yeah, here it is. This is a guy named, uh, a black pastor named Vody Buchanan. Bachman. He says, if we don't know the Bible, if we don't know doctrine, if we don't know theology, it is virtually impossible for us to identify false prophets. We have to know the Bible, we have to know doctrine, we have to learn theology, and then we can uh, identify false false prophets. And so I thought that was uh, pretty good. So... Uh, God's eyes are upon truth, and He's against. He recognizes uh, the falseness, and uh, He wishes they would return, but they refuse to return. I have this quote. Uh huh. I don't know if I have it actually in my Bible, but it's from a movie, and it kind of goes with what you were saying. And I might have actually taken it out. So, boy, did you guys get lucky. <laughs> I bet you remember it good enough to say it. I don't. Here, I got it. People want leadership. And in the absence of genuine leadership, they'll listen to whomever steps up to the microphone. You can replace that with the Bible. Hmm. They want leadership. They're so thirsty for it, they're called in the desert towards a mirage. And when they discover there's no water, they will drink the sand. Now, people don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink because they don't know the difference between the lie and the truth. That's pretty good, yeah. That's off that movie, The American President. Well, let's let's wrap up this section, these first five verses, by looking at Revelation uh, 3. Because I, I put that God is still looking for men and women that seek truth. In uh, Revelation 3 and verse 20, this is where God is speaking to the church of the Laodiceans. Uh, 
And he says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in uh, to him and will sup with him and he with me. So I, I just like it that it says any man. I, that's the thing that uh, you know I so much like about... Uh, uh, Christianity is there's really even ground at the foot of the cross, isn't there? There, uh, you have the same Holy Spirit that Billy Graham has, yeah, and uh, we all have you know the same Bible that Brian Hedges has. So there's really you know our own flesh, our own uh, is the only thing that limits us from being all that God wants us to be. And so it says, if any man will open that door, God will sup with us. And so uh, God is still seeking men and women. That's kind of my teaching point from that section. And uh, the next section, look look at 7 and 8 here. He, He says this thing about pardon again. I don't know if you noticed, at the end of verse 1, if God, if Jeremiah can find someone seeking truth, he'll pardon it. But look at uh, verse 7 and 8. It says, I'm going to connect that. So at the end of verse 1, it talks about pardon. And the beginning of verse 7 says, How shall I pardon thee for this? The children have forsaken me and sworn by them that are no gods. When I had fed them to the full... They then committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlot's houses. They were as fed horses in the morning, every one neighed after his neighbor's wife. And again, I kind of think of my grandchildren. Uh, you know, there were four people at that restaurant celebrating birthdays, and uh, my father-in-law was one, and Angie was one, and her sister, and, and, and a niece. There were like four February birthdays, and uh, I think several of them shared their ice cream. So you know, they so they shared their ice cream with their grandchildren. So the grandkids were fed to the full. They had everything they wanted, and they're kind of like Israel here. They're still they're go they're disobeying they're going after strange gods they're committing this uh, spiritual adultery and God is saying how can I pardon you? Um, m- many of you know uh, Bill Corum. He he wrote uh, final pardon the ultimate the ult- yeah the ultimate, ultimate part yeah and uh, he's <clears throat> spoke at uh, life issues a couple times. And uh, I don't know if you knew this about him. I mean, he was a criminal. He he was in jails in seven different states. He was a pretty bad boy in the 70s and 80s and prostitution and even uh, uh, some mafia gangster things and uh, even uh, weapons and things, real high-level wickedness. And uh, when I was when I was on a mission trip, I think it was it may have been 2014. I was in India, and I'll never forget it because I was with Ganesh, and uh, I took my first. Uh, they have uh, um, gas-powered rickshaws. 
so I had my first and only rickshaw ride. I think there was there was either two or three of us in the back seat, and there was the driver in the the tricycle front end. And I got a phone call from Bill Corum when I'm in India, and I answered it. And I he said, Steve, I just wanted you to know that. Uh, as Governor uh, Nixon was leaving office, he pardoned me. Wow. He he got pardoned for his crime. It was 20 years after, you know, leaving that world. And uh, Governor Nixon uh, pardoned him for his crimes. Cool. And I, I thought that was, I mean, I thought it was cool that he wanted to share that with me. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know that so it takes so God is wanting to pardon his people he said I just can't you guys just I keep showing you favor and treating you like a good father and you just kind of keep uh, going the way of the world and I can't pardon you and that's that's what he's saying there in verses seven and eight and then read verse nine can somebody read verse nine for us? Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? And shall not my soul be offended on such a nation as this? Now, I, I know how my wife is when we have visitors. Uh, you know, you want everything to look right. And uh, God is saying, hey, I'm going to visit you for this. <laughs> what if God came to visit us, right? That's a little bit frightening. I mean, I know some of us are okay with people showing up unannounced, but you don't want God showing up unannounced. And, you know, we uh, at my company, I, I work for a pharmaceutical development company, <clears throat> and uh, we have to read all the training is kind of online now, and, and all the. Uh, so we read all of our SOPs and things online, but. When we read the one about GMPs or good manufacturing practices, it says that the FDA can show up unannounced. And so we're supposed to always be audit ready, right? And uh, even, uh, you know, I'm kind of over one of our maintenance shops and they want Steve. Steve's supposed to have the shop is already always inspection ready and, and it's not. <laughs> but that's in theory so I guess that's kind of the point here are are we audit ready are you re- are we ready for an inspection if the Lord would visit uh, Pam Doug Pearson <coughs> challenges us by saying if Jesus were, came back and were walking here today could he turn around and see you following him mm. that's, that's the same yeah yeah not not always <laughs> right now yeah <laughs> so that's a good I think that's in our discipleship material even just talking about the judgment seat of Christ at the very last lesson we, we talk about those things too so that uh, there's some really some doctrinal significance to this because uh, uh I won't have you look up all these verses, but there's something prophetic about the time of the Lord's visitation. It's a reference to the second coming of Christ. But look even at Hebrews 2, 
this is this is talking about his first coming, I believe. In Hebrews two, that last reference I gave you there, Hebrews two six. But that that's pretty good to keep in mind, isn't it, Pam? The if if the Lord were here right now, would we be following Him? Uh, Jim, you got Hebrews two six. Yes. To six, but one in a certain place testified, saying, "What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him?" Yeah. So it mentioned that this is one of the Psalms that this is quoting. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. And it's just like. The author is like pretty awestruck that why why would God be mindful of of little old me or or the son of man why what is it why would thou visited him so he must care about his people is uh, why he he visits so anyway I gave you some uh, historical things that Jesus visited Israel there but the time of the Lord's visitation is. A, a a prophetical of the second coming. <clears throat> so go back to Jeremiah, but turn turn a couple pages to the left to Psalm fifty or Isaiah fifty five. And I I think this is the premise of Bill Coram's book. It's Isaiah fifty five and verse seven. <clears throat> It says, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So that that's what I wanted to highlight this section with, is that my teaching point is God wants to... Uh, abundantly pardon us, doesn't he? And so if, if we will return to him and we will uh, forsake our way and the unrighteous thoughts that we have, and when we do return to the Lord, he has mercy on us, he will pardon us. And do you know what what does abundant mean if he abundantly pardons? Overflowing. Overflowing. What do you say, Tom? A large amount. A large amount, yeah. And I I think of more than enough. (laughs) A bucket full. full. So, you know, Christ, Jesus said in in John 10.10 that the thief cometh not forth but to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life more abundant. He wants to give us more than enough life for us to... uh, live for him and so that that's that section now look uh, this next section Isaiah or I'm sorry Jeremiah 5 and this section 10 through 18 and somebody read for us 10 11 and 12 I think will be 10 11 and 12 of Jeremiah 5. Tom, you got those? Go you up upon the wall and destroy, but not, but make not a full end. 
Take away her battlements, for they are not the Lord. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt treacherously against me, saith the Lord. They have bellied, they have belied the Lord, and said, It is not he, neither shall evil come upon us, neither shall we see the sword nor famine. Yeah, so there's at least four things there. They they dealt treacherously with the Lord. They belied, and uh, I looked up that word. It, belied means to act deceitful or falseful, falsely or account in a counterfeit way to the Lord. And then they uh, what Tom read there in verse uh, ten or. Uh, <clears throat> It's actually in verse 12 it said it is not he so they were actually denying the Lord's really not going to this is not the Lord that's doing this by sending us away to captivity and then they said uh, neither neither shall we see sword nor famine so they didn't believe that uh, this evil really would come And then I like what he said in verse 10 there that uh, but will not make a full end. And we talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago. It said that same thing. <clears throat> so it's like he's not going to destroy them ultimately. He's, he's just correcting them. Just like I did with one of my granddaughters. You know, I pulled her out of the truck and paddled her butt, but... I didn't kill her, <laughs> you know, because I, I we're trying to correct, not destroy. And so that's what the Lord's doing with his people. <clears throat> so then uh, he Jeremiah predicts uh, the false prophets and the evil that's coming. Look, look at verse 15. Lo, I will bring a nation upon you from far. Now, who is that nation? Who's that nation that the Lord's bringing? Babylon. Ding, ding, ding. So this nation, we don't have our maps. uh, uh, So that's like modern-day Iraq, and they don't come across the the desert. They kind of go up. Uh, and come in from the north going southward and so that that's what this uh, verse 15 <clears throat> lo I will bring a nation upon you from far O house of Israel saith the Lord it is a mighty nation it is an ancient nation a nation whose language thou knowest not neither understandest what they say uh, for the, their quiver is an open sepulcher they are all mighty men and they shall eat up thy harvest and thy bread, which thy sons and thy daughters should eat. They shall eat up thy flocks and thine herds. They shall eat up thy vines and thy fig trees. They shall impoverish thy fenced cities wherein thou trustest with the sword. <clears throat> and he says again, Nevertheless, in those days, saith the Lord, I will not make a full end with you. So he's going to take him in captivity. But, uh, you know, they, they say that that's one of the things 
that is maybe one of God's greatest miracles is Israel, just that he's preserved them from ancient times, from Abraham, who is uh, the first Jew, uh, to present day for two, three thousand years. They've They've continued to be a nation in spite of all the wars and the captivities and the, the taking away of God's people. <clears throat> when we were in Israel, I can't remember the name. Maybe you, I'm pretty sure his first name was Theodore, but I think this was the first day we were in Israel. We landed in Tel Aviv, uh, which is uh, kind of the modern day uh, right beside Joppa that's in the Bible. And so we visited kind of the old city, and there's kind of a mound there that they say is kind of the archway between the old Joppa and the new Tel Aviv. And our tour guide says that Tel Aviv is kind of like America's Las Vegas. It's, he, he called it Sin City. He said, I don't like to come here. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and uh, he talked about it used to be really a wasteland, but the Jews were able to move a lot of earth and kind of build up the land and that they could build it on. And So it's a very modern city with everything that you and I would have as well. <clears throat> Uh, I'm trying to think what I was going to say about this right here. Um, I lost it. What I was going to say about this fully. There was something about Joppa there that I was... Maybe it will come to me here. I was remembering when I was there and I forgot my point. So I apologize. No, I don't think it was. Well, anyway, we. Uh, it's funny. So when we when we left there, we uh, we went one way, but when we when we came back, the uh, our tour guide was a Messianic Jew. Uh, so that that was really cool that he was a believer and so he was really seeing how all these Old Testament things <coughs> you know were prophecy and maybe say what that means does everybody know what Messianic Jew is uh, a Messianic Jew just means that they believe Jesus uh, is their Messiah and they they accept him as their savior and they don't they don't reject him they're not still looking for a Messiah to come but um so when we left Jerusalem, so we we went first through uh, uh, Mount Carmel and some things, some sightseeing in the land of Israel. Then we spent five days in Jerusalem. And uh, when we left, we went a different way to Tel Aviv. And uh, uh, he, he said that the way from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv... Uh, is the same path that uh, the road to Emmaus that Jesus walked with the two disciples? He said. Uh, he said it really made more sense to geographically to make this road somewhere else, but he believes that that road was preserved, and uh, there's just kind of a little pull off there. We didn't stop it. Uh, he believes it was the road to Emmaus is from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv. So yeah, it's kind of cool to. Yeah. 
he mentioned stuff like that in passing different yeah. places and it's just like wait a minute what did he just yeah. say it's like <laughs> wait a minute that's in the bible yeah. uh, cool. we were on the road to the dead sea one day and mm-hmm. and he said uh, yeah uh, just over here to the right was where uh, David and as the uh, En Gedi, uh, oh, yeah. some of the hideouts are, and there's still an En Gedi there where there's uh, a well. It's kind of an oasis on the way to the Dead Sea. It's like, yeah, that's where David was hiding out from oh, Saul, man. and it's like, exactly, yeah. it's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah, let's go back where? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I just remember looking to my right, and we just we just went past it. It's like there's chapters in our Bible about that. Yeah, that's what Alan Shelby said. He said the first time is just kind of shock and awe, and the next time you kind of see you put it all together. That's what he said. So this uh, thing of Babylon coming from the north. <clears throat> is uh, going to be their captors. And uh, I put here that Babylon was established about a hundred years after the what? What goes in that blank? Flood. Flood? flood. Perfect. The flood. And so uh, what, why don't we all look at uh, Genesis chapter 10. <clears throat> Jim talked about this when he talked about Babylon. Genesis chapter 10 and uh, 9 through 11. And this is where uh, uh, Nimrod established and founded. So uh, Genesis 10 verse 9. Let's let's read, read 8. Genesis 10.8 And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. Verse 9 He was a mighty hunter before the Lord, wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Uh, we, we might say Babel. Uh, and Eric and Achad and Kalna in the land of Shinar. And I think Jim mentioned that even. There's there's a plain or a land, and it's in uh, Mesopotamia. <clears throat> and if, if you think of... Uh, <clears throat> see if... I, yeah. <clears throat> so the, there's these... Uh, there's these two rivers... And I, I believe they go into the Persian Gulf. Does yeah, that sound right? It's Euphrates and the Tigris. So the bottom's the Tigris? Uh, no. or the, I think it's the other way. I think it is the other way. And then, yeah, the Euphrates is the one that goes up over. Up. Uh, the, the one they traveled to when they went captive, like you were talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah, they come together there in the delta at the bottom. We're back to add that. So Babylon or... In Babylon, around there. Yeah, it's, yeah, they're kind of where they come together. They're kind of where they come together. Yeah, the fertile, the fertile crescent, like you said. But but this land is called Mesopotamia, right? Yeah, correct. And I, I don't know if you ever thought about this, uh, but uh, Potania—that's that, where we get the word uh, hippopotamus. 
Mm. And a, a hippopotamus is a, a water animal. And uh, here, hand me his Bible real quick. Yep. I think it's nickname is the River Horse. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. A hippopotamus is called the River Horse? Something like that. Wow. So everybody can't see this, but yeah, so uh, Babylonia and the uh, Babylon's up here and yeah, they 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 go into the Persian Gulf. And so uh thank you, Tom. Anyway, I I think this meso is like the middle, so it's like the middle between the water. So the, but this is called the Fertile Crescent, isn't it? And uh, and so this, uh, what did it say about it in there? <clears throat> uh, so, so this is like <clears throat> the plains of Shinar, and so Babylon was uh, in that area, and um, so the the. The Persian Gulf is down here, and so uh, so that's the Persian Gulf. Anyway, just kind of interesting. But so this land was founded, and uh, this is where the Tower of Babel was set up. And so Israel is over here, right? It's uh And so uh you know Jordan and Syria's up here and Lebanon and and the the whole Middle East. But uh so these people came down and they uh King Nebuchadnezzar uh laid siege and captured many cities and uh, ultimately it was about a 19 year ordeal they came around 606 BC and uh that that's where they uh they kind of besieged the 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 city and uh so it took nearly 19 years uh for them to uh yeah and so about uh, 587, 586, the last of the Jews went into captivity. And uh, we know that uh, the first, the first uh, deportation was, was Daniel and his friends. And uh, several thousand Jews went with. And the next portation was uh, Ezekiel. And so we know Ezekiel, he wrote his letter from Babylon. And uh, well, we're going to see that Jeremiah says <clears throat> it's not going to be just for a little while. You need to go there and build houses, and you need to plant crops, and you're going to be you're going to be gone a while. And uh, so, anyway, that that's what this prophecy is here in in verses ten through eighteen. So uh, the word flood went in your blank. It was right after the flood that Nimrod founded these plains of Shinar this this kingdom of Babel <clears throat> so my teaching point there I thought this was kind of cute the way I the way I said it Judah was in a state of confusion so God sent them to the state of Babel yeah, uh, which means confusion 
so he sent them to. So yeah, confusion goes in your next blank, and they they were they were worshiping false gods. They were following false prophets. <coughs> And so God allows them to reap what they've sown. That, that's in verse 19. So back in Jeremiah 5, verse 19, it says, And it shall come to pass when ye shall say, Wherefore doth the Lord our God all these things? Uh, wherefore doeth the Lord our God all these things unto us? Then shalt thou answer them, Like as ye have forsaken me, and served strange gods in your land, so shall ye serve strangers in a land that is not yours. So he lets them uh, reap what they've sown. And uh, Pam, before I forget, I've got... Chapter two that, that I found my paper, so I'll give you that to give you that to you afterwards here. <clears throat> now somebody read verses verse twenty two, uh, Jeremiah five twenty two. Pam, you got that girl. Verse 22. I'm going to have Pam read it. Would you? Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence? Which have ye placed the stand for the bound of the sea by the perpetual degree that is past? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. Yeah, so God, God is saying just how powerful He is. You know, the the sea can't get past the land, even though it's roaring and beating upon the the shore. It, it's not going to prevail against the shore. <clears throat> so why are you? You know, He's kind of saying, you know, you're a foolish people. You just keep trying to push against me, and I, I have your best interest in mind. So in your handout, I put two things that we should tremble at out of fear, and we should we should fear the Lord. He He is awesome. He is all powerful. He's all knowing, and He's everywhere at once. And so we should fear Him. And I gave you a couple things that we should tremble at. <laughs> like it says here, we should tremble. I don't know. Uh, one time I distinctly remember as a young man, I think I was still in high school, and we had just baled some hay. Uh, we used to square bale a lot of uh, bales of hay. And uh, I remember it came up a storm. And so we had to back the wagons of hay, and you know, it was starting to rain. It was coming down pretty good time we got the... And I remember, you know, pushing this big old barn door shut. <clears throat> we got it in, and it's a metal building, kind of a more. It was a Morton building, and uh, I just remember just a crack of thunder, 
and you know you're inside a tin building. I mean, it, it almost made your ears ring. It was, and uh, I just remember kind of feeling just a trembling, like, "Whoa, we must have been close to lightning," or you know, this is powerful. And so I think of that a little bit when I think of you know trembling at God's presence. And there's a verse here in Isaiah. I'll just have you look at this one place. Isaiah 66. <clears throat> just a couple chapters to the left. <clears throat> and Tom, you want to read that? Uh, Isaiah 66. In verse uh, 2 through 5. There's, there's three verses there. 2 through 5. For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and a contrite spirit that troubleth at my word. I think that's all I, I don't know why I put through five, but isn't that pretty wild that the God will look upon the one the person that trembles at his word that's yeah that's all just that word trembling uh, I just wanted us all to see that God, God will honor and look to the person that trembles I don't know if you ever thought about that but you know we we have Bible conferences and vision conferences and we really focus on the Word of God, but God says that uh, He really... And my guess is that Jeremiah trembled at God's Word. And he, he feared God's presence. <clears throat> anyway, so I put you a teaching point there that uh, we must learn to fear God either by experience or instruction. <clears throat> And there's really two ways to learn to fear the Lord. You know, sometimes we have to go through some things before, you know, God gets our attention we, and we, we fear Him out of experience. But we are better off if we would just, you know, read the Word of God. We, there's uh, many examples of godly men and women in the Bible and we, we can be instructed in, to learn to fear the Lord. So even by others' examples, like in a bad way. Yeah. I learned through my older sister what to do and not to do. Yeah. Person is what Proverbs says. Yeah. Learn from others. Yeah, my wife learned. Her older sister got in trouble. She kept disobeying the rules. It put a fear of God in Angie. That's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. Really. Her sisters are wild. Mm -hmm. So it's good if we can learn <clears throat> from others. Um, <clears throat> let's try to get through all this here. We got about five more minutes. <clears throat> Look at verse twenty-seven and twenty-eight. <clears throat> yeah. What's that blank? Uh, that blank was fear. Two things that we should tremble at out of fear. <clears throat> We're studying uh, Job in our HBI class, and <clears throat> he he uh, Job is one that he was upright and perfect, and he feared God. 
And you know, the beginning of fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I think Job was right up there with Solomon in his wisdom because he did fear God, and uh, therefore God gave him wisdom. Uh, but look at 27 and 28 of Jeremiah 5. It says, As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. <clears throat> therefore, they are beca- therefore they are become great and waxen rich. They are waxen fat, they shine, yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. That's where I said that they kind of became more wicked than the nations around them. Uh, they judge not the cause, the cause of the fathers, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy is they... they, they do they not judge? Do they not judge? Yeah, that's America. Yeah, yeah. So the thing I put in your next blank there, one of the methods God uses, or the the enemy uses to entrap us, is riches. So riches goes in your blank there. And uh, I put that fatness in the Bible is a sign of wealth and prosperity. He said they become uh, fat. Yeah. And that's what, uh, you know, sometimes that's in a good way. We know a friend from a previous church. Uh, Same thing. I know what you're going to say. And I'm, you know, I'm not judging. She's a, just a big woman. And I forget if it was South America Africa, or if it was in Africa. I think it's Africa. And she went there on a mission trip. And all the people there just treated her like a queen because oh, wow. they thought, wow, you, you must be a very, mm-hmm. you know, noble, wealthy. rich, wealthy person because she was just, uh, she was fat. And here, that's, you know, yeah. Yeah, like down on, yeah. Right. on the 1800s. It was She's like, maybe like I should that. move there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it means you don't work. Huh. 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 So, yeah, it was a little different. But anyway, uh, I put the teaching point in that section. Just problems in the nations start by problems in the home. And that's that's what it said in verse 27. Their houses are full of deceit. So uh, I think we'd, we'd all do well. We know we have problems in our nation, but... Those those problems in our nation started by problems in the home, yeah. and so we need uh, good families, we need good churches, and that will build uh, a stronger society and and ultimately a nation. Yeah. And so, because of that, the Lord was going to visit them because they their houses were full of deceit. So, uh, these last two verses, verses thirty and thirty one. A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? And so this word wonderful really means full of wonder. And it's also translated astonishment, desolation, desolate, and waste. So we're... You know, we when we eat a good meal, we say, "Man, that was a wonderful meal." But that's not how it's used here. It's like 
man, it's like an astonishment, like, oh my goodness, I'm full of wonder how this got to be so bad. And and he said this because the huh desolate and waste that just doesn't sound like wonderful. I know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. But it says a wonderful and horrible thing. Mm-hmm. The, and it's because the prophets are prophesying falsely, and the priests bear rule by. And it says my people love to have it so yeah. they they're mm-hmm. so uh, bad leadership, and uh, but the people were were eating it up, and so. I put on here that the pleasure of sin is only for a season. And so they they were enjoying these riches and it was too... Because it says right there, what will ye do in the end thereof? I mean, what is the object? What is is it your... The ultimate goal of what you're going after is vanity. It's empty. It's false. It's it's a loss. And but the people loved it, but it the sin was only for a season was your last blank there. So that's that's Jeremiah five, and I was trying to look ahead and see. I think it's around chapter twenty is where they actually go into captivity. So we got several chapters of this kind of leading up that Jeremiah is prophesying, and I don't know I don't know if that's the exact chapter, but we got a few more chapters that kind of lead up to this, <coughs> but. Anyway, it, it's uh, in uh, in our study of Job. Uh, the book of Job kind of defines counsel, counseling, as uh, declaring plentifully the matter. So, I think Jeremiah is giving us all these different looks at God's people and how corrupt they've become to kind of give us. Because we, we you, if you just read a little bit of this, you think, man, this mean old God, he's he beating up on his own people, and why would he take his own people into captivity? And the Babylonians are so wicked, why would he just turn his people loose in there? And and so God's kind of having Jeremiah look at it, uh, all these different angles, and we see he's declaring plentifully, this is why, and it, it's their their heart is. Their heart is not with the Lord. They're not worshiping. <clears throat> and uh, at the end of this, <coughs> uh, the temple gets destroyed. There, uh, Nebuchadnezzar destroys their temple. They, I mean, that represents the presence of God. So it, it gets so bad. Uh, he he doesn't completely bring a full end to his people, but he he punishes them. That is there any other uh, thoughts or questions as we look at this? So hopefully we're learning, trying to make some application to our own lives, and hopefully it's beneficial. Yeah, but truth in both of those. So, all right, well. Uh, Tom, would you mind closing us in prayer today? Uh, thank you guys for joining us online, and we're going to close up, and we'll look at uh, Jeremiah six next week. If you guys want to read ahead, look at chapter six. I'll uh, power this down and.